Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Marin. I'm the host of the podcast. I always enjoy welcoming fighters on the show for the second time, and this undefeated amateur mixed martial artist was featured on episode 16 last February. He was 2-0 when I first talked to him, and now he's 5-0 and is the 247 Fighting Championships featherweight champion. Joining me today is Lucas Sniper C. Thanks for coming on the show, Lucas, for the second time now, and welcome to Forge in Ohio. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. You have been very active since we last spoke, which means there's a lot to talk about in your career. I want to start with your win over Preston Starcher in May. You won via knockout at 1 minute and 22 seconds of the first round. The first two words that come to my mind are mismatch and dominance. Do you feel like you were just that much better than him that night? Yeah, I think there was a big skill differential, especially on the ground. Preston's stand-up was really good. Um, and going into West Virginia, which allows head kicks, really worked on head kick defense and uh, and stuff like that. So once I got into the ground, it was kind of over from there because the scale differential was pretty substantial. But uh, standing, it was it it would it would have been a tough fight if you know we just had to stay on our feet the whole time. But it's MMA, so. Fighting in West Virginia with those open rules there, was it fun going into? I know the fight didn't last very long, but was the thought of going in there and having more weapons at your disposal a fun thought going into the fight? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it makes it it makes it more realistic, right? It makes it more like freeing. And, you know, you get another tool, and it was cool because I, you know, my training camp kind of was developed around. Hey, we can throw these head kicks now. We can. We have to learn how to defend them. Uh, I think Preston was a perfect opponent for me at that time in my career because I learned a very valuable skill set, which is like defending head kicks as he threw a lot. So, you know, it just added to my repertoire of tools. Um, And that's kind of what I take away from each camp is kind of learning how to defend what somebody's best at. And then I kind of add that into my own element, into my own game. Um, And that was a that was a big thing. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a very, you know, unique and special mindset to have when you're an amateur fighter learning from each fighter and their strengths that you compete against. With this fight going down in West Virginia, was it special to fight there for you because your college wrestling roots, like we talked about last time, are at West Virginia University? Yeah, so uh, one of the cool things, and I've had a lot of full circle type things happen in my life, that was the exactly a year after I graduated college to the day. It was May 13th, and I graduated May 13th of uh, 2022. May 13th, 2023, I fought Preston for the title in West Virginia. So, you know, it meant a lot. It was cool. I had uh, I had some of my, my former teammates from WVU come down, which also meant a lot. And just, you know, being able to perform the way I wanted to, it was it, it was kind of surreal. Yeah, what was that like having those West Virginia teammates? And did you meet up with any coaches or visit the the campus after the win? It, you know, it wasn't too far from Morgantown. It's this summer. Uh, my coaches were busy for that fight. But they, have came, they came to my second fight um, in Washington, PA. And I have a really good relationship with my, my former college coaches, which means a lot, you know, especially if somebody wasn't, like, recruited a lot. Um, 
I yeah, I've been in contact with him a lot. I train there sometimes. I get to wrestle with you know guys like Jordan Titus and hang out with guys like Peyton Hall, Killian Cardinal, you know some of the like upper echelon people um, in the wrestling world. So you know I'm just kind of I'm grateful for that for sure. And Killian and Peyton and uh, Scott Joel came down and watched me um, in that fight, and it did mean a lot for sure. Yeah, and that fight was in Preston's hometown, too, I believe. So that was back-to-back fights for you where you finished a guy in their own hometown. Do you enjoy playing in that role in fights? You know, it is their hometown, right? Like the Malcolm fight is his hometown. The Preston fight is his hometown. But obviously I had roots there, too. Not the exact town, but like the states, right? I'm kind of like a tri-state guy at this point. And... You know, it, it, it's it's cool to, like, I kind of view it as my hometown almost, right? It's not, like, anything, like, personal. Like, I'm going to go beat the dude up in his hometown in my mind. Uh, that was I did say something on my post afterwards, but it was just funny. It, I honestly <laughs> didn't think about it. honestly didn't think about it much until afterwards. That was the shortest fight of your career so far. Were you still hungry to compete even after the fight was, was stopped? I mean, a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I, I think with that fight, um, I went in with a, a mindset, a very like, you know, like kill or be killed mindset. And I, I don't think that's the best version of myself. Obviously, that fight went the way it did. But when I'm more free and loose, I think that's when I perform my best. And that, I think that's something I learned because I had a little bit of an adrenaline dump in that fight due to having that mindset. And I kind of I, I learned something there, right? So I had you know a loss in my mind from that experience. So you know, it I I guess I I wanted to compete a little bit longer. I mean, Preston could have put on a little bit better of a fight, but you know, I'm if I get out of there without any boo boos, I'm, I'm happy. Was there something prior to the fight that prompted the mindset that you had going into it that was? killer be killed and maybe like you said force that adrenaline dump in the fight uh you know i think i just kind of i it was a weird time in my life i just kind of you know committed full-time to mma kind of um, moved to pittsburgh permanently away from my family and like in my head it's like hey if you don't win right and and i kind of in my head i knew i was better right so it's like you you have to win and then you know i kind of allow myself to get away from that burden in my next fight. So that pressure that you kind of put on your shoulders, that's not really a thing now that you're 5-0, and but with this third career fight, when you make that permanent move to Pittsburgh, it was certainly there, it sounds like. Yeah, that was that would have been my fourth fight. But yeah, uh, I, I know I've competed enough now, uh, obviously in MMA, but throughout my career, I know when I'm at my the best of my ability is when I'm having fun. When I look back at my best performances, my first fight and my my most recent fight are, I think, my best performances because I was free. I was flowing. I wasn't thinking too much. And that's what I I expect from myself. So I'm trying to get in that mindset, I think, is, is one, one thing that I really kind of focused on for my fifth fight and uh, accomplished ultimately. 
Is it difficult to stay in that mindset and not go off the beaten path, so to speak, and kind of go on that mindset of, hey, it is kill or be killed, and just try and be that free fighter that you are out there in the cage? You know, it's a hard balance. Uh, It really is. But I think for somebody who has obviously have a degree in sports psychology, I I talk to uh, wrestlers, the high level high school wrestlers day in and day out about, you know, doing such a thing. So I kind of have those tools to where I can do it. And I think that's, that's an important thing. I think that's one thing that I have over a lot of people um, that I really am starting to be able to utilize. And in that fourth fight against Preston, you won the new line cage fighting bantamweight championship in that fight. How special was it for you to win your first official bell in MMA? It was cool. Uh, it was it, it was cool, right? I mean, in amateur belts, I'm not gonna say they don't mean anything because, like, obviously, it's it's a cool accomplishment. But to me, it's just like, all right, you're beating better people. You're on you're on the right path, right? You want an amateur belt? It's kind of like, hey, man, you're you got the potential to go pro, and that's that was kind of the interpretation in my mind. Um, and obviously, I won pretty dominantly, so that was also a good takeaway. What did you think of the style of the belt, by the way? Kind of had that old retro boxing look to it. I actually I like them. Uh, I, I I think they're pretty cool. I like that belt. It it looks different than my other belt, right? Because a lot of them look similar, so it's cool that they look different. I wish it would have had like a little bit more West Virginia feel mm. to it, but I get it because they kind of travel from state to state. But I, th- I think they could have thrown a little blue and yellow on it. Talking to Lucas Sniper Siebert on Forge in Ohio. Let's talk about that other belt that you won. Let's get into that most recent fight on July 15th against Cam Algier, who was 6-1 and one heading into the featherweight title fight. You were both known for wrestling and your ground games, but how confident were you heading into the fight that you were the better wrestler but could even leverage some of your striking in the fight as well? I think uh, the the Cam fight was kind of a, a culmination of like everything I've developed at at stout i've been i moved to stout exactly a year um and it was like a year and a week removed from my debut so it was kind of it was perfect it was the perfect fight cam cam's a good opponent right with a like a, a resume that's insane for amateur fighting but in my mind i i i thought i was good enough and in my coaches minds my coaches really reaffirmed how well I was going to do. Um, Cause that, obviously there's a little doubt when you have that big of a step up in competition, but um, my coaches, Will Morrill and Mike Wilkins were instrumental in that fight. Um, I, I definitely couldn't have done what I did without them, obviously, but without their confidence in me, uh, I don't know if it would have, it would have played out the exact way it did. And how did it feel going to the distance and winning by decision for just the second time in your career? It uh, it, it was it was fun, man. I I loved that fight. Like I said, because I got to show off how much better I am after my Malcolm fight and uh, Preston. It was like, all right, well, you're starting to just re- like you're wrestling people, or right? you're just taking them down and like subbing them or. Winning by ground and pound. That fight, it was like, hey, I'm I'm a mixed martial artist, right? I'm not just a wrestler, like I like I've been saying, and uh, I got to prove it, right? I got to show 
the city of Pittsburgh, who uh, there was a lot of people, a lot of talk that like I wasn't going to win that fight, um, which is understandable. But I, I I believed in myself. I believed in my coaches. I believed in my training, and I just let it take over. And I kind of just separated myself from the outcome and let it happen. Did you take that doubt and kind of turn it into motivation heading into the fight, knowing that people were not expecting you to win that night? I wouldn't say motivation, right? Because that's kind of like the killer be killed mm. mindset, right? I wasn't like, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and prove everybody wrong. But I do think there was a, an aspect of like, Hey man, all right, well, you're not the favorite this time. So just go out and do it. Right. There was a, the results. It's, it's, you're going to be in there for 15 minutes between with the, in between rounds and after the talk. And once I walk out of the cage, as long as I'm happy with my performance, that that was kind of my mindset. You mentioned just being able to show off in that fight. Do you think that was your best striking performance you put so far in your career? Oh yeah. 100%. Not even close. I think myself in July in 2023 would finish myself in the first round of 2022. And that's not, I mean, that should, that is how it should be. But uh, from the technical aspects of striking, positioning, stuff like that, I mean, night and day. So that, yeah, 100%. I've never heard a fighter say that their current day self could knock out their themselves from three years ago. Is that really just how far you've progressed in just five amateur fights? Yeah, in one year in one year from the five fights as I made my debut in 2022. Yeah. yeah I, it, that's kind of how I look at it. Right. A lot of people, um, and I get the, I get it right. I, I get told I'm cocky or whatever all the time, but I don't really compare myself to other people, which is kind of what cockiness is. I don't find myself comparing myself to other people. I compare myself to myself. As long as I'm progressing in the right direction, then that is that, that, that's the truth, right? Then that's all you can do. You can't focus on, hey, would I beat this guy? Would I beat that? Would I beat myself? Right? And I think that's something that if if you don't know the answer, then you're doing something wrong. So uh, I have no doubt in my mind I would, but I, I think that's something that a lot of fighters should like take away is is comparing yourself to your previous self. Yeah, I, I really do like that. When people call you cocky on social media or this, that, and the other, like, are they just kind of developing haters for you? Is that kind of what you're getting so far? Uh, I think prior to my last fight, I had a lot of that, right? I think I cocky, not as good. Uh, there was a little bit of behind-the-scenes talk that I, like, I'm not as good as I think I am, stuff like that. Cam was going to beat me bad. And I think a lot of it is like, you know, I, I think I think in reality, it, it stems from maybe people being a little bit jealous of like, not maybe my success, but like the attention I get. But just like anything, like I pour a lot of attention into like social media, I pour a lot of attention into when I make relationships with people, upholding them, jumping on podcasts uh, time and time again, that, you know, might not get a ton of views, but um, valuing relationships with people. And uh, in turn, I think it comes back to me. So I don't think, I think that's one thing is people kind of look at me and like see 
somebody that's very confident in themselves. And I don't know if that like it makes them insecure or whatever, but that's kind of something I've had to internally look at because, you know, it does bother me a little bit when people call me cocky, but whatever I'm doing, I, I'm, I'm focused on myself and being better. And as long as I'm doing that, then, uh, you know, that's all I can do as being a better person too. Like, so like me a year ago in 2022 to me a year ago or to me now like i'm a way like more developed person and i think that's another thing that i can kind of keep in mind yeah and to your point you're putting in all this work and i feel like it has proven to work for you like you're five and oh in mixed martial arts you have two belts and your brand on social media if people want to call you cocky they can but i feel like that's thriving as well i want to kind of go back and talk about your striking performance against cam because one of the most lethal shots you threw in that fight was that spinning back kick was that part of your game plan and what was going through your mind in the fight when that strike just landed so perfectly so the spinning back kick is something that i honestly i i've kind of always had and to be quite honest with you, going into that fight, that was something I wanted to stay away from, uh, especially because Cam's a good wrestler. I didn't want to, like, you know, square my hips too much. I didn't want to give him my back, right, overextend or underextend on a spinning back kick and put myself in a bad position. But I was kind of tagging Cam up a little bit, and he faded, he faded to one side, and it opened up perfectly for me. Uh, I landed it. I do believe if there was – that was – the second round, if there was a couple more seconds, I, w- I would have finished him. I kind of got overwhelmed with how hurt he was and tried to throw a stupid punch to follow up where I should have uh, thought about it more methodically. But it was it, it was cool. Uh, I like that. I like that kick a lot, but it's not something it's something that kind of just comes out. It's not something I like load up on. It's something that I, I just I just throw when uh, when it works out. So you landed the spinning back kick. I think you also landed a Superman punch in the fight, I believe. Are we still sporting the hashtag just a wrestler after that incredible performance? Yeah, man, that Superman punch was, that's another thing uh, where it was like, that was positionally there. I, it, it worked out, right? That was, it was, that was, that fight was me just not thinking. That fight was me just as a fighter. Everything that I've learned over the past year with Will Morrill, um, everything I've, developed as stout just coming out right it was like all right well all these drills we've done all this pad work we've done all these these sparring sessions just let it go and uh you know the the couple things like the spinning back kick and the superman punch are kind of like me freely moving but all the the in between the intricacies of the the fighting was what i've learned right and that stuff's gonna be there i'm always gonna be a wild boy that's going to throw a Superman punch or throw a spinning bag kick. But having the positionally sound aspects that I developed day in and day out, that was there as well. The just a wrestler thing, uh, for sure. I'm keeping it because <laughs> I think it's I think it's funny, one. And two, I think it, uh, you know, it, it means more to me. It's kind of like it has like a double meaning where it's like, all right, well, I say I'm just a wrestler when I, you know, I'm starting to get pretty good at striking. But also, like, just a wrestler to me means, like, you know, going, like, living that wrestling mindset where you're just, like, grinding constantly. If I can take the wrestling mindset approach that I've had my entire life and focus it on striking and have my wrestling background, 
I, I, my potential is pretty good. Yeah, I love it. We talked about the Just a Wrestler on the first time you came on, and now that approach still applies as you move forward in your amateur career. I watched you on another podcast, I believe, and you mentioned how you were talking to Cam during that fight. Was that the first time you've ever really done that before? The talk, So the talking to Cam thing, uh, well, the Fortune Ohio people will know that the first time I, I ever talked a lot in my fight was when I fought Malcolm. And I had a lot of fun. Me and me and Malcolm's fight was a blast. And we were talking a little bit. And, you know, it just made it more fun to me. And it became like, once you start to talk to somebody, it kind of goes away for me for some reason. I don't know. I didn't talk to Preston much in, or during the fight and that fight. But with, uh, with Cam, Cam, like, within the first, like, five seconds, like, grazed my cup with his foot and I was fine, but I like gestured at him and uh, Chip, the referee was like, are you good? And Cam was the first one to talk. Cam was like, oh, he's good. And then I was like, oh, we're talking now. And it just kind of like, that's when I kind of just like out of body experience kind of took over and I just like went fight or flight. Uh, And I just kept doing it. Um, But that was actually part of the game plan um, Mm. to talk to him. It was it was part of the game plan to talk to him because uh, uh, I kind of I had a feeling it would make him a little bit uncomfortable. Is it a part of like feeling loose and just having fun as well? That free mindset that we've been talking about, the talking just kind of comes out in the fight. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it goes back to uh, 2020, 2021 and a little bit of 2022 when I was sparring with Josh Pereira all the time, throwing, spinning tornado kicks and you know whiffing on punches and then pointing to the ceiling and me pointing to him and you know just having fun uh and spending our friday nights at immortal you know just obviously sparring trying to get the best work and and stuff but just having a blast right i spent my friday nights in my you know when i was 21 and 22 at a gym with my friends right and a lot of people didn't and i think that you know that's a big testament to why i'm also in the position i i'm in but with Pereira is like that is kind of i think a big uh reason why i have like the style i have a little bit more free-flowing i think that's when i'm best is because that that's my that's my backbone that's my meat and potatoes like that's what i learned right to have fun so it kind of takes over in my fights yeah, and you mentioned talking to Malcolm Jackson in that third career fight and having fun in that one. I didn't really plan on asking you about this because I know it might be a touchy subject, but what did you think of that fight and especially what happened after the fight? That fight, man, that was it was fun. Uh, I think, you know, we had a little bit of talk before. I did the just to the camera thing, which was good for my brand, right? I got like a lot of views on it. Um, I've got like a good thing. It, it worked out really well for me. And uh, obviously the stuff after the fight, you know, it is what it is. You're going to be emotional. and Like, I don't carry any, any animosity. I'm actually pretty cordial with Malcolm. I talked to him a lot. I congratulated him on his last fight because, like, I want to see him win. I want to see him. Preston won his last fight, too. I want to see the people I've beaten win because, one, it makes me look better. And, two, like, I I do have a relationship with them, right? We were, we were in uh, – in combat together and you know i I wish ill will upon nobody 
So I, I like seeing Malcolm have success, especially the way he did, was something that I was I was uh I was happy for him. I think he he deserves it. Um, but obviously, you know, that night his emotions got the best of him. Um, and it is what it is. It's not like he you know hurt anybody. So. Does checking in on your opponents and their records and what they've been doing since you beat them kind of come from your wrestling background and competing like that? Because I've never heard a fighter say that they've done that before. It does. Uh, my uh, my coach, Mike Wilkins, said this on a podcast like years ago, and Luke Payson brings it up a lot. It, I think it does come from wrestling. It, you know, you want the people you beat to have be successful, right? You think of strength of schedule, and I'm a big college football fan, right? Ohio State beats Notre Dame this year and Notre Dame goes on a losing streak, that doesn't make us look good. But if Ohio State beats Notre Dame and Notre Dame doesn't lose again, then that win is more valuable, right? It means more. And it's the same way, right? Like my first two opponents haven't competed. My my second opponents have like three fights both that have been canceled. But Malcolm and Preston, you know, they jumped back in after they lost and have gotten, gotten wins this year. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won amateur belts within the next year or so. I see, I see a path for both of them to do that. Um, and I, you know, I think that's a, that's a good thing. Right. One, it makes me look better. Like I said, two, like I, I wish nothing but success for them. They're good people. They hard, they work hard. So yeah, I think it does come from wrestling um, to answer your question, but it also comes from uh, something my coach said, but you know, just makes sense. Yeah, and I, I feel like all these different mindsets and things you do as just an amateur fighter is really setting you up for success moving forward. I know we've been talking about you talking inside the cage with your opponent while fighting. Do you think this is something that you'll continue to do in fights moving forward? Maybe a little bit. Like, it's not going to be forced. Um, some days in practice I'm talking, some days I'm not, right? There's a, it's kind of like a, a feeling. Uh, you know, if you know, some some days you have off days of practice, and you're just like, uh, you know, I'm just gonna bite down on my mouthpiece and kind of do whatever. And then some days you're just feeling yourself, right? So it's the same way with fights, right? It's whatever mindset is gonna work for you that day. I've been alive for 23 years. I kind of, I've been competing for probably 15 of them. I I kind of know what works for me at the given time and how I'm feeling physically and mentally and how to get the best out of myself. So I would love to talk every fight but you know that might be times where like you know i fight somebody that it doesn't make sense right or i think it'll it would benefit them to talk right so whatever is going to benefit me i guess is my answer I saw on social media, too, that you won the performance of the night for Brawl in the Berg 17, and there were meat bucks associated with that as well. Can you explain that whole process? Yeah, so uh, Strip District Meats, um, which is in the Strip District in Pittsburgh, which is a a pretty nice area for anybody not familiar, has a sponsorship or, you know, some kind of deal with 247 where they give the performance of the night guy a hundred dollars to um to shop at their store and uh my teammate james lito who's a current wrestler at Pitt, won it the first time they did it in april and i won it this time which was cool uh it, it, it was cool because like it meant the right my performance was i won unanimously which was something that i did i didn't really watch all the fights but i was kind of surprised by because like i wasn't sure like you know, I have a lot of haters. Like, I don't know 
anymore who likes me or dislikes me. But, you know, winning that unanimously was like, all right, well, I, I'm doing something right. And just uh, kind of being able to, you know, to get the content and, you know, get my free free uh, stakes and stuff. It was a really cool experience. Yeah, I was going to ask, what did you end up with when you spent the meat bucks? I got two strip steaks and then I got buffalo and elk ground beef. And then I got these like little um, like hamburger patties that were, they were called beast burgers. Mm. And it was like, it was like wild boar, um, elk, tons of, tons of cool stuff. And like these little burgers that was like a couple weeks ago. So I only have like one steak and a little bit of beef left, but man, it was, it was good. It was really it, it, it was a cool experience for sure. That's something 247 um, as a promotion like offers that, you know, a lot of promotions don't and uh, gives them like a way to grow their brand, but also has it helps them get, have a way to give back to their fighters, which is really cool. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Once again, this is Lucas Sniper Siebert with us on Forge in Ohio. Now that you hold two amateur belts, is a third one in your future potentially for 247 at Bantamweight? So um, we were thinking about it, um, and we were going to try to, you know, run it more than I guess not back, but fight the dude that my, my former roommate fought for the Bantamweight belt, but I, I think he might be going in a dif- different direction. So we might be going in a different direction as well. Not a hundred percent sure. Um, my focus right now, um, I think, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I spent the last year, I fought five times, won two belts. Um, I'm ranked number one at both weight classes in, in Pittsburgh. I think my future is to develop as a fighter. focus on skills and not like focus on just an opponent focus on all right where am i lacking and just double down on on that so that's what i'm going to spend the next couple of months doing i might be competing in a couple um striking only things i might be competing in a couple grappling only things if an mma fight um you know is on the horizon maybe we do it but uh, my focus right now is to go pro and I think, you know, I, I put myself in the position to do that. So just focusing on, you know, getting as good as I possibly can and honing in on the areas that I kind of have neglected a little bit because I've been so focused on camps. Yeah, last time we talked, you were focused on improving as an amateur, and it seemed like turning pro really wasn't on the horizon. Now that you're 5-0 and and hold those two amateur titles, it sounds like that's more on the top of your mind. When do you think that timeline would you know fix to your career of turning pro? 2024, probably late spring, early summer is what we're, we're thinking. I have, uh, I have coaches I trust more than, you know, anything really and uh they they seem to think that that that's our next move while i get better right it's not like you know i'm going to turn pro and turn pro with the same skill set i have now no i'm spending six months of honing in on every aspect of fighting so i i think you know i trust them right whatever if they told me jump i'll say how high. and that's kind of something that uh you know, I, I think I have a, a lot of people don't, too, is, you know, I have a support system. Uh, I also have a management with Sucker Punch Entertainment. And, uh, you know, I trust them as well and whatever they say. So if they, you know, 
December rolls around, they're like, let's do another Amy. Let's do it. But, you know, I, I try to just let them, you know, collaborate. Mike and Will kind of collaborate, um, throw my manager in it every once in a while and, you know, uh, figure it out from there. But that, that's kind of, I, I, I try to keep myself apart from it because, uh, you know, if, if you have people you trust enough, then you don't really need to, to put your voice in. They have your best interest in heart. Yeah, and you mentioned coming so far as an amateur and even growing onto your game. In just one year, you're 5-0, and have two amateur belts. How much further do you think you can take your game, especially before you even turn pro in this next year or so? How much further? Well, I think, like I said, I think July, Lucas of 2022 and July, Lucas of 2023 wouldn't be a fair fight. So come July of 2024, I should be able to beat myself just as bad right I, I i want that gap just constantly just constantly improving and i'm only comparing myself to myself right so my last performance was great right one performance in the night it, i got a lot of good uh good stuff out of it but that's my like you're only good as your last performance right so i should look at that and be like all right well that that's who i am right and i need to be better than that guy each day right and, you know some days i'll be off some days I won't be, but as long as I, I think I can I can beat that guy that fought in the cage in uh, July 2023, then I'm doing something right. And when you say turning pro might come in spring or summer of 2024, how many more fights would you like to have from now until then? Um, like I said, they might not be MMA fights. Uh, I'm thinking maybe a couple Muay Thai and maybe a boxing fight couple jujitsu matches possibly um but if you know like i said if mike and mike and will tell me to you know we got this good opponent it's going to give you a challenge and let's do it it it's not necessarily up to me uh i wish i had like a definitive answer mm-hmm. but um uh my gym hosts the a, you know really cool thing that stat stout um that a lot of gyms don't have is we have we host our own fights um so we have our own jujitsu competitions super matches they get a lot of looks like we have one of the biggest gyms in the entire country because we have four gyms combined into one and you know it gets a lot of good publicity and it's like really good for the gym and i want to compete on that because you know i want to be one of the faces of the gym so doing that in uh september and then hopefully uh jumping on the muay thai card that they also host in uh i believe november so uh right now my priority is grappling i have a couple priorities in the striking area as well but just getting better that is my priority my priority is becoming the best fighter i can be between now and whenever i step in whatever competition i'm in next do i know when that competition is i don't but you know i think that's where um the true like great people are determined is being able to duck your head, work as hard as you can when you don't, when there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Right now, I don't necessarily have a fight or a light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm just going to duck my head and keep working every day. And does it matter to you moving forward, whether those competitions are at bantamweight or featherweight, or are you open to taking whatever comes your way? Uh, When I go, when I'm pro in MMA, probably bantamweight, uh, I would assume is going to be best, but like, I'm not opposed to taking a featherweight as long as it's not like a featherweight coming down from lightweight. If it's like we can do a catchweight at 140 or fight at 145, but it's a regional scene. It's not like we can't ask for stuff like that. I'm a pretty big 
bantamweight. Um, later in my career, I might end up at featherweight. Who knows? But a fight's a fight. But whatever works for me, I don't. I, I could care regardless. The Muay Thai stuff will probably. I think it's same day weigh-ins. I will not fight same day weigh-ins at one thirty-five. I think that's uh, hmm. stupid. I think Ohio needs to fix that rule. Amateurs. For sure, man. Uh, just a few more for you. I know you mentioned Josh Pereira earlier, and since we talked last, he made his LFA debut and won. How cool was that to see the Flying Hawaiian compete and win on a big stage like that? Amazing. Josh and me uh, are each other's biggest fans. Like, I wear my Josh Pereira MMA Tico shirt all the time, right? I know he's he's always sporting my stuff. Like, I would... I went to Ohio to help him a little bit for the LFA camp and just like seeing his success. Like he's somebody I look up to uh, a little bit and we came through the game together. I was a like below average college wrestler and he was an O and one amateur when we met each other. And since then he's gone, he had one of the best amateur careers in the history of Ohio. And I think that's, evident right i don't think there's an argument there and since then i've gone five and oh in my amateur career so um you know iron sharpens iron and also just like we care about each other a lot and like i spend i'll I'll use a lot of my energy and a lot of my uh you know resources to make josh's help josh as much as i can and same for him for me so like watching him succeed brings me absolutely nothing but you know just pure joy yeah i think the ceiling for both of you guys is very very high and i know that he posted on social media a few days ago i believe that fight news is coming soon so maybe you'll have to take another trip to ohio and train with him a little bit more at immortal for that fight yeah yeah there's definitely some behind the scenes stuff going on with with josh he calls me at least once a week uh, we chop it up, you know, in terms of career, life, whatever's going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's definitely got something something brewing. So I'm excited for that one. 3-0 oh soon. Yeah, I can't wait for it, man. I also wanted to ask you about one of your most recent social media posts on Instagram. The comment was amazing. You said you were the undisputed Metaverse champion as you were <laughs> training with glasses on, surrounded by cameras. What was going on there, man? Uh, dude, so... Like I said, the Stout's resources are, are phenomenal. Uh, we're Henzo Gracie affiliated gym, which means we have, you know, a lot of cool things, like a lot of cool resources. Um, Warren Stout, who owns the gym, is very, very well connected. I don't know how this happened, but Meta, the people that own Facebook, came in. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how much I can say because they didn't give us much information. But something to do with they set up these cameras around us, gave us these glasses and, uh, and basically we're just like spar each other. Don't break our glasses or spar each other. Don't break the glasses we gave you. Uh, we were like, okay. And it was cool, man. It was like, it, it, it was fun experience, you know, things like that, like cool experiences are what you really cherish in times like this. Right. Like, like obviously you you have this big goal you want to be UFC champion but like little stuff like that like you can't look around and like enjoy and laugh at stuff like that you know when Meta from Facebook comes in and you wear nerdy glasses like then you're not you're not living life right you got to be able to kind of set 
yourself apart from your goals and like you know have fun every once in a while laugh at yourself um and yeah that was just a cool experience i honestly don't really know what it what exactly it was pertaining to thinking there's too much information but it was fun yeah that's wild that you have no idea what it was really for could you see something through the glasses or was it just clear glasses and you're just yeah, they sparring were, they, there they were, Clear glasses. I, you know, my best guess is maybe some kind of like VR video game, and they were trying to get like the analytics on, like punch speed or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I really have no idea. Interesting. Yeah, very cool, man. Before we wrap up, uh, anything you want to shout out in terms of social media handles, sponsorships, things going on at Stout? The floor is yours, man. Not really. Just follow me on Instagram at Sukas Liebert. And, you know, keep up to date with me and uh, the Stout Fight Team Instagram is it's brand new. It's at Stout Fight Team. Um, it's my gym. We got a lot of big stuff brewing out here in Pittsburgh. Um, obviously, this is uh, an Ohio podcast and that's where my roots are. I spent a lot of time going back to, to Ohio, but, you know, I've, I've developed a, a pretty good life out here in Pittsburgh and trying to grow um, you know, as much as we can. So uh, please, you know, go ahead and follow the fight team Instagram and keep up to date with me on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, but, you know, aside from that, man, I just appreciate any kind of platform I can get. So I appreciate um, you having me on the podcast and appreciate, you know, everything you do for Ohio combat sports. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I couldn't be happier to have you on for the second time on the show. It was great to have you on the program the first time, even better this one. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of your amateur career plays out. You're already familiar with how I like to end these chats on Fortune Ohio, and it's with the OHIO chant. So, OH. IO. Thanks, Lucas. Congrats on the winning streak and the two belts that came along with it. I am fortunate to have you on the show, and let's do it again sometime down the line, maybe after you go on uh, another three-fight winning streak. Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. That was Lucas Sniper Siebert, the 5-0 amateur mixed martial artist who holds two championship belts. He's still a prospect at 23 years old, and he's a dangerous one at that. He represents Stout PGH very well in Pittsburgh, but he, of course, has those strong Ohio roots. If this is your first exposure to Lucas, then I definitely encourage you to follow the Sniper's journey in mixed martial arts because I truly believe it's going to be a pretty special one. As always, Always, I ask that you support Forge in Ohio the best that you can. That includes following the show on Instagram and Facebook at Forged in Ohio and downloading and sharing episodes as well. Thank you all for tuning into this one. I've been your host, Jake Murrin, and this was Forged in Ohio.